Thank you, God, for songs to sing that lift you up and magnify your name. Thank you, O Lord, for brothers and sisters of like faith that lift up holy hands without wrath and without doubt. Thank you, O Lord, for all of the fellowship that we have, and thank you for the goodness of God. And now we come to a time in this service where we open the book of life and we glean from its pages the words that will feed us spiritually and give us guidance for our feet and help us, O Lord, in our spirit to be lifted above the shadows of despondency. Touch your people today as we preach your word, O Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Everybody said amen. Praise the Lord. Well, the Bible tells us that God is a God of covenant. He is a God who does marvelous things, a God who stands by us and strengthens us, gives us all good things, the Bible said, richly to enjoy, richly to enjoy. God's people are blessed. God's people are people who have their needs met, but they're also uh, people that go through difficulties and hardships just like everybody else. We're not uh, encapsulated from what goes on in this world. The, well, there's an old saying said sometimes bad things happen to good people. And that's true. That's true. Some unexplainable things happen to good people. We live in an imperfect world. We live in a world that is under a curse. Amen. Under a curse in a garden thousands of years ago. God dealt with the sin issue at that time, what we call the original sin or the initial sin. And that has been handed down to all of us so, so much that the Scripture says, for all have sinned. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's one of the definitions of sin is to fall short, to fall short, to transgress God's law or as we would say in our vernacular, fumble the ball, mess it up, whatever. But we all know that when God's heart is grieved, when uh, we sin and when we have difficulties that uh, cause us to do and say things that are inconsistent with who we are and what we preach and how we live, amen. Yes, I'd like to tell you that every day since I met Jesus, I've been in his perfect will and have no sin in my life whatsoever at all. But I'll tell you, there have been times when I've had to go to God and repent. Times when I've had to say, oh, God, have mercy upon me. Times when out of my desperation, I've prayed. You know, prayer is a marvelous thing. It's a wonderful uh, avenue of communication where we interchange with God. We, we reciprocate with God. And we, we fellowship with him. And he communicates with us. And we communicate with him. David, the, the king of Israel. Not the first king. Not the greatest king. But probably the most notable king. Had a terrible sin in his life. He was a man after God's own heart. Sung some beautiful songs. Wrote some great songs. And was a, a, a tremendous general and a warring leader in, in God's people among God's nation, Israel. But the Bible said he had a terrible sin in his life, had a terrible moral failure. And when he 
committed a sin that led even to a murder, it's hard to believe that a man after God's own heart would be an adulterer and be a murderer. Hard to believe, but it's actually true about a great, great leader in Israel. He prayed. He prayed this prayer, Lord, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, for my sin is ever before me. When I lay down, I say, when shall this night be gone and the day star arise? When shall I be done with this tossing to and fro unto the dawning of the day? Out of desperation, he asked God to have mercy upon him. A lot of prayers have been prayed by a lot of people who were desperate. And a lot of people in, in Scripture have prayed prayers that have really brought great results. Amen. And the Bible said that Elias or Elijah was a man like as we are, and he prayed. He prayed earnestly that it might not rain upon the earth, and it rained not by the space of three years and six months. And again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth brought forth their fruit. Prayer can shut heaven up where there won't be any rain. Prayer can open up heaven so it pours down. Prayer is the key that unlocks the door. Prayer is the activity of the righteous. Prayer is that time that we spend in our, our chamber with God in so much so that he's given us a language that we call the prayer language that we can pray and though we don't even understand ourselves, our soul is communicating directly with God. What a wonderful tool that prayer language is. Jehoshaphat was of the lineage of David. Knew all about the great singing and the great praying. The Bible said, this poor man, David, this poor man cried unto the Lord, and the Lord heard him out of all of his, did delivered him out of all of his trouble. So all in the family, Jehoshaphat was a member of the lineage and the household of David. He was a successor and was a king in Israel. His father's name was Asa, and the Bible said, And Asa did that which is right in the sight of the Lord. That which is right. Asa was one of those good kings, one of those kings that was concerned about God's house and concerned about worship and concerned about covenant keeping and concerned about the overall well-being of the Lord's house and all that that entails. But the Bible said there was a breach between 11 of the 12 tribes. And the 12th tribe, the tribe of Judah, was left in Jerusalem and was separate. It was called the land of Judah. The other 11 tribes lived in uh, what is called northern kingdom, the northern kingdom. And, and so Israel was divided at the time. And the Bible said the king of Israel was a man named Ahab, and Ahab was a wicked king, did terrible, atrocious things. He was a violent man, a murderous man, a very wicked man. And he had a wife that wasn't much better than him. In fact, when I call her name, a chill will run down your spine because you know what she did. Her name was Jezebel. That's right. Everybody knows Jezebel would probably say, my Lord, also, because she was some kind of a wicked woman. She really was. 
And the Bible said that Ahab was the king, and the Bible said, and he did wickedly in the sight of God and made Israel to sin. That their leader, their king, caused the whole nation to be disobedient to God and transgress God's law. And the Bible said that Ahab went down and he said to Jehoshaphat, said, let's enter into this uh, agreement where I am as you are, you are as I am, your people are as my people, my people as your people. We're of the same blood. We're all the same family. Why don't we just go down and fight a Ramoth Gilead, Ramoth Gilead, and said, let's fight against the Assyrians and let's work this work together and let's kill them together. But you got to watch out for somebody like Ahab. And the Bible said that Ahab had an ulterior motive in the deal. He was wanting Jehoshaphat to get killed in the battle. So he said, well, I got an idea. He said, why don't you put on my clothes and I put on your clothes and we'll go into battle and they really won't know who they're shooting at or what they're doing. And Jehoshaphat, I would like to think is a pretty smart man, but he was dumb as a box of rocks right here to think that he could wear the king of Israel's robe. Well, that's like putting a target on your chest and saying, shoot me. Because all the soldiers was looking for the king to kill him first because uh, the king had told them about Jehoshaphat. said, don't worry about any of the other soldiers. Go for the king. And the Bible said that they all surrounded Jehoshaphat because he had on clothing that belonged to Ahab. And, and, and the Bible said he got up and hollered, no, 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 I'm not Ahab. I'm Jehoshaphat. I'm the, I'm the king down in Judah. I'm not the king in Israel. I'm the king in Judah. Don't kill me. And the Bible said so they went on about their business. And guess, guess what? The Bible said that a random arrow was shot by a random soldier, by a random bow at a random time and said that it just struck him between a piece of his armor and his collarbone area and he died. A random arrow shot by a random... In other words, it wasn't anything significant. Somebody just picked it up and shot it up in the air, not even aiming. And it, for adventure, struck a king and killed a king. Well, all of a sudden now, Ahab is out of the picture. But he's got a son. And his son's name is Ahaziah. So Ahaziah took his father's throne. And along with his mother, Jezebel's instruction and advice about everything, uh, he carried on his dad's tradition of wickedness. So I want you to get the picture of how, what the political climate is like in, in Israel. You know, hell hath no fury like... Yeah, you know that one too, huh? Well, Jezebel lived up to that one. She sure did. And brother, she ran everything at her house, including her husband. You know, uh, you know why God made Adam and then made Eve? Because he didn't want any advice from Eve about how to make Adam.
So all this mess we're in, let's just blame it on Eve. Blame it on the woman. She did it. She got us in this mess. No, everything was terrible. And, and the Bible said Ahaziah then came back to Jehoshaphat and said, Hey, let's, let's get in another battle. I need you to go with me. And Jehoshaphat said, N-O, no. You'll never get me into some stupid stunt like that ever again. Stupid once, shame on you. Stupid twice, shame on me. If you make an idiot out of me twice, then I just deserve all the comments you can make about it. But the Bible said they wouldn't agree to that kind of an amalgamation. And so the Bible said that Jehoshaphat went on his own, and, and the Bible said, and God blessed him. Sometimes when you throw those wicked things out of your life, God will, God will say, way to go, amen, step in the right direction, good decision. Let me bless you. Let me touch your life, and let me give you some, some peaceful times and some rest. And, you're like, and that's exactly what happened, is God started blessing them, and God gave them a period of time, and the things were prosperous, and things were blessed. But then we get to the 20th chapter, and we get into some tough, tough times, don't we? And it starts out with, after this, after this, after this. After what? After a good time in chapter 19 after having plenty of gold and being blessed with peace and no war and nobody's fighting and nobody's fussing, the kingdom is good, that everything is going good at God's house. We've got good, good people that are doing the priesthood work and everything's going very well, but after this. Why is it that every time something starts going good, next thing to expect is... The devil is going to stir up himself. I often say, be careful about how you wish for going to another level. Because when you go to another level, expect a bigger devil. There's a reason why he fights you. And there's a reason why he comes against people who try to do things that are right in the sight of God. After this, things changed tremendously the king of judah is jehoshaphat and he's a great man of prayer and they came to a place where god had to intervene for them after this things just kind of fell apart and when things fell apart the king realized we need help from the lord we need god to help us when we need god to help us is that time when we seek after the lord when we seek after the Lord. When Jehoshaphat started seeking the Lord, things picked up. Look at Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 3 and 4. Jehoshaphat was, the King James Version says, afraid. He was afraid. How many fear nots is it, did you tell me one time is in the Bible? Was it 365? There was one for every day. Is that the way that went? There's a fear not for every day. You mean God thought enough to think about 365 days in a year and he put fear not 365 times. Hallelujah. 
That lets me know every morning when I put these number 10s around on the floor and get up, God has already been in that day, has already been in all of its activities and all the things that are going to happen, all the conversations that are going to be made, every move, everything that's done. And he says, you don't have to be afraid today. Well, what about tomorrow? Well, you don't have to be afraid tomorrow either. Well, what about the day after that? Well, next week and next month. What about this, this fear thing? He said, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. You got an NIV. It says he was alarmed. But I believe he was a little more than alarmed. I believe that there was more going on than, than just that. He was alarmed or fearful, and he set his face to seek the Lord. Set his face. That, that's a colloquial thing for saying made up his mind. Hey, have you ever had little success at something because you never made your mind up about it? Boy, don't marry a woman that says, I can't make up my mind. Better not do that. You better not buy something or do a business deal based on somebody who says, well, I really hadn't made my mind up yet. Hey, that means the difference altogether because if you don't make up your mind, you won't be successful at that. You'll never have, hey, peace about it. You'll, you'll never feel like that's really what I want to do until you get committed to whatever is, is before you. The Bible said, whatsoever your hand finds to do, do it with all of your might. And the Bible even says, do all to the glory of God. So then everything I do, I'm supposed to do it all with all my heart to the glory of God. Whatever you do for God, do it with every ounce of energy in you. When you sing, rare back and let her fly. Amen. When you preach, rare back and preach with all the power and energy you got. When you pray, pray heaven down. Pray fervent prayers. Amen. Pray prayers that touch the heart and mind of God. Pray prayers that move the hand of God. Pray prayers that you, you pray under the anointing. God has an anointing to pray. My dad used to, when he, when he would pray, he said, Thank you, God, for good liberty. Good liberty to pray. Thank you, God. You see, every time you get down to pray, you don't feel like it. Every time you get down to pray, you're not really focused. Oh, it's wonderful those times when you are focused. And it's wonderful those times where you got your elbows on God's knees and you're looking right into his face and you're pouring your heart out to him and he's touching you and blessing you in ways that you thought you could never be blessed again and you're feeling a touch of God in your heart and life. That's wonderful. Oh, but there are some times when it feels like heaven is brassed over. When it feels like and seems like those Words are just bouncing right back in your face. What do you do then? The old timers used to say, pray until you've prayed. Now, what are you talking about? Pray until I have prayed. Hey, and here's another one for you. You just got to pray through about that. Pray through what? 
Pray through a mind that's not focused. Pray, pray through a, a hand that's half committed. Pray, pray through over a, a, a situation where you got other things on your mind. You just got to stay there and pray until you've prayed and prayed until you pray through about something. Amen. Great people pray great prayers. People that do great things for God are people of great prayer. In the, in the study of, of George Whitfield, the great preaching evangelist, he, he prayed so earnestly that the wall would be marked where he had stood and prayed so earnestly and intently that the spittle from his mouth would be on the wall and stain the wall where he had prayed. So, In fact, Jesus prayed until his sweat became as great drops of blood. Jesus prayed so earnestly and so sincerely that he moved the hand of God. Jesus was a, a person of prayer. The Bible would say he sent the disciples on ahead while he went to the mountain to pray. That Jesus sent them on into the city to buy goods while he went to the side to pray. In fact, he would say, come apart and let's pray. Some of you wait until you come apart until you pray, don't you? Come apart. He's, he, what he's saying is let's get out of this crowd and let's get off to a place where we can have some privacy and we can pray about this thing. That's what he's saying. But some of you have some parts missing. When you got parts missing and you don't really know how to pray, the Bible said you don't know in the book of James, it said you don't know how to pray. You don't know the things you ought to ask for. He said, make your request known unto the Lord. But he said, but he already knows your request before you ever ask it because he knows your heart and he knows your mind. He knows all about you, all about you. And when you come into his presence, he said, come into his presence with thanksgiving. Come into his presence with praise. In fact, he said, come into his presence singing, with singing. Oh, well, Brother Jerry, I can't carry a tune in a surf bucket with lid on it. Well, you may not can, but you can still come into his presence singing because you're not singing for, so people can say, oh, that's so pretty. You got such a beautiful voice. I just love to hear you hear you sing. You're you're so talented. You are so blessed to have a voice like that. That's just wonderful. It just blesses me so much. And God is saying, He's not singing to you, He's singing to me. The Bible said, Sing unto the Lord a new song. The Bible said, Lift up your voice in praise and singing unto God. Render unto God your praise and your worship with thanksgiving and gratefulness and with singing. Sing before. In fact, he said, if you can't sing, just make a joyful noise. A joyful noise unto the Lord. That old crow, Brother Rainer used to say, that old crow, he didn't sound too good trying to sing, but he was still on the ark. He made it on the ark. Praise God. 
you're not going to be judged by how pretty it sounds and the rudiments of it. What's going to matter is the condition of your heart. If you sing from your heart as unto the Lord, then he accepts your worship and accepts your praise and calls it praying. I sing my prayers all the time. Amen. Why do you do that, Brother Jerry? Because I want to. It's my prayer. I can sing it if I want to. I sing Scripture. Amen. I, I sing poems that I've read that are good to my heart. I, I like them, and I sing them. So you can about imagine what I do with songs. I sing them. I said, I sing them. Somebody asked me, I said, you reckon the Lord's in that? He will if I do it long enough. If I keep doing it, it won't be long before he'll get it in. He may not be in it when I start. But before I go too far, he'll, he'll get in. Amen. Because he inhabits the praises of his people. And if you, you pray in the Spirit and you, hallelujah, and you worship in the Spirit, the Bible said the Father is seeking such to worship him. People that sing in the Spirit, that preach in the Spirit, that worship in the Spirit, that live in the Spirit, pray in the Spirit, witness in the Spirit. That's what it's all about. Because it's not by power and it's not by might, but it's by my Spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Well, give God a good hand clap. Jehoshaphat was afraid, so he set his face to seek the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast throughout Judah. So the people of Judah gathered to seek the Lord, and indeed they came from all of the cities of Judah to seek the Lord. Wow. Brother, when the, when the king, wouldn't it be something if the president said, I am calling the whole nation to prayer? Wouldn't that wouldn't be something? Can you imagine what kind of an impact that would make if the one who is the leader of us all could say what we really need to do is pray? What we really need to do is get on our knees. What we really need to do is proclaim a fast. What we really need to do is turn our, our face toward God. What we really need to do is seek after Him. What we really need to do is read His Word. What we really need to do is get on our knees at our prayer closet and talk to the God of our salvation. Wouldn't that be something if we lived in a country where the very ultimate level of leadership said, let's pray. And the wonderful thing about it is that the people listened to him and started gathering at the city of Jerusalem with the intention of praying and seeking God. Praying and seeking God. How long has it been since you went to an all-night prayer meeting? Oh, Brother Jerry, it's been so long ago, I don't even remember what that ever was. Amen. I remember I had a prayer meeting, all-night prayer meeting with the men one night. There was a guy that had come to church the Sunday before that, Randy, and 
And when I gave the invitation, he got up and walked down the aisle with his wife and two kids. His name was Lomax Gorham. He walked up there, and I said, Do you believe the Lord Jesus is the Savior of the world? Yes. Do you believe he died for you? Yes, sir, I really do. I said, Do you believe that his blood was shed for the sins of the whole world? Yes, I do. I said, do you believe there's a home in heaven for those that love and serve the Lord? Yes, I, I do. Do you believe that if we ask him for forgiveness of our sin, that he forgives us and cleanses us from all unrighteousness? Yes, I do. I baptized him. Saved. Hey, we had an all-night prayer meeting. He was over there praying with me. I think we had about 17 or 18 men came that night for prayer. Long about midnight there might have been three me and Lomax and maybe Joe was there Lord got to wondering you know where in the world everybody go sun hadn't come up yet this can't be all night till we get the sun up at least do you know who was there with me when the sun came up a man that had been saved a week Oh, I wish churches could act like you did when you'd been saved a week. Oh, I wish I could get church so exciting and so thrilling that you acted like you did when you'd been saved one week. You know, when you've been saved, just recently saved, and you couldn't find enough people to tell about it, and you were so excited, you'd walk up to a stranger and say, you know what happened to me last Sunday night? I went over there to that Pentecostal church and a little fellow named Brother Jerry led me to the Lord and said, Buddy, ever since then I've been singing, just feeling so good in my heart. And everywhere they go, they just got an excitement and enthusiasm. Hey, what's that smile all about? Did you win the lottery or something? No, I won something better than that. I won Jesus. He came in my life and saved me from my sin, made me a new creature in Christ Jesus. Amen, 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 amen. No wonder Jesus said, do your first works. Act like you did when you first got saved. Serve and pray with that same kind of intensity that you prayed with when you first got saved. You remember how it, how it was? You just couldn't get enough? Just couldn't get enough? You'd hear of a revival somewhere and say, hey, you want to go with me to church tonight? Where? Oh, they're having a revival over at a sand mountain out at Sardis. You want to go? Yeah, yeah, I'll go with you if you want to go. Hunting somewhere to go to church. That's the way it was when I was preaching revivals many years ago. As you'd see strangers in the house. Do you, do you come to church here? No, I, I live in that part of town, or I live in that part of Alabama. Well, what are you here? I just want to know where revival was going on, where there's having church. I just wanted to be in church. Just wanted to be in church. People would call me and say, Brother Jerry, where are you preaching this week? Uh, Alexander City. Oh, how far is it there? I said, oh, about 70 miles. Hey, what time you leave? Well, why do you want to know what time I leave? Because I want to go with you. Why do you want to go? I just want to be in church. Amen. You know, there's a place you can reach in God. That being in God's house is better than 10,000 days of being somewhere else. A day in his courts is better than 10,000 elsewhere.
Boy, that makes me want to shout right there. One day in his courts is better than 10,000 elsewhere. Better than a dugout seat at the World Series. Better than a seat on the 16th green at Augusta National. There's a place better than that. Brother Jerry, I don't know if it could get any better than that. There's a place that is better than anywhere else. And that's the Lord's house. Better than 10,000 elsewhere. Seek the Lord. Can you believe the whole city, towns and cities, marching along together, singing those old songs from those old prophets and still worshiping the Lord. Not only did he, did he realize that he needed to seek the Lord, he also acknowledged God's power. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 5 and 6, Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord in front of the new courtyard and said, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not the God who is in heaven? And do you not rule over all the kingdoms and the nations? Power and might are in your hand, and no one can stand against you. Oh, glory to God. Brother Jerry, you having to remind God of how powerful he is? No, I don't have to remind him of anything. I'm basically letting him know that I know how powerful he is that he's sovereign, there's no, no power beside his power, that he's peerless, there is nothing can, can come alongside him. He is without peer. He is a, a God who made all the heavens and made all of the earth, who spoke the world into existence. He's a powerful God. He says to people in graves, come up out of that grave, and they awake out of their death sleep and come alive and walk out that says to people sick of the palsy take up thy bed and walk who speaks to storms and says wind die down there and quit blowing so disastrously lightning thunder you control yourself waves you nestle down there and the people say even the winds and the waves obey him. And they went back to their, their owners and said to their, their, their bosses, Never a man spake like this man. This man who said, All power is given unto me in heaven and in the earth. That same one that said, But you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and you will be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. You're a God of power. You're a God of authority. You're a God who is sovereign God, and beside you there's none other. Jehoshaphat said, I just want to celebrate that you're the powerful God, all-powerful God. Not only did he acknowledge God's power, but he acknowledged his weakness. He admits that he's weak, but he's not without hope. Wow, that's great stuff. Verse 12 says this, Our God, will you not judge them? For we are powerless before this vast army that comes against us. You see the Syrians to the north, the Moabites to the east, the Edomites to the west, and Egypt and the Sinai to the south, surrounded by great armies, armies that were 
of great reputation, that were of strong military might, made them feel so overwhelmed and feel like we don't have a chance. There's nothing else that's going to happen to us, but we would be destroyed. We are powerless before this vast army that comes against us. We do not know what to do. We do not know what to do. But our eyes, our eyes, our eyes are on you. It's so dark around us, we can't see where we're going. It's so dreary and it's so dark, we can't find anything to give us any kind of hope or any kind of incentive. We don't know what we're going to do. We're overwhelmed. We're overcome. We're afraid. We're not knowing. But there's one thing we know is we're looking to you. We're looking to God. We're looking to Jesus. Wow. My eyes, Psalm 25, 15, my eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he will pluck my feet out of the net. Wow. That snare, the Bible talks, talks about the traps and the devices and the snare. Here, Jehoshaphat is saying, this God that I serve, who's the object of my affection and the object of my attention. My eyes are fixed upon him. He is the one who plucks my feet out of the net. Notice he didn't say my foot. He said my feet. In other words, if both of my feet are wrapped up in that net, then there's not much I can do. I can't kick. I can't use one foot to push the net off. I've got both of them in the net. Can't swim because I can't kick with my feet. I'm underwater. If I don't get some oxygen pretty soon, I'm going to drown. Don't have any hope at all unless somebody, something, some way, somehow gets me out of this net that I'm caught in. Oh, I know who can do that. His name is Jesus. I call him Savior. I call him Deliverer. I call him Lord of my life. And he's the one, the one who can take my feet and release them from the snare of the devil. Hallelujah. 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 Willie said he's a dandy. You better believe he's a dandy. You better believe that he's able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we're able to think of or ask. There's no trap, there's no device that Satan can devise that will be successful against God. In fact, the Bible said God said no weapon that the enemy would fashion against you will prosper. And our eyes are lifted up and upon Jesus because he is the one who is able to pluck us out of that despair, out of that net, out of that trap, 
out of that murdering device that Satan has placed there to destroy me. But there is a God, there's a Lord, and he's able to pluck me from the net of the adversary. Mine eyes are on God. 14th, 2nd Chronicles 7, 14, if my people shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin. I will heal their land. Verse 15, now mine eyes shall be open and mine ears attend to the prayer that is made in this place. For now I have chosen and sanctified this house that my name may be there forever and mine eyes and my heart shall be there perpetually. I will lift up my eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord. Looking to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of God. Number five, he waited on God. The people stood waiting. They waited for God. And as they were waiting for God, meanwhile, all of Judah, Scripture said, stood before the Lord with their little ones and their wives and their children. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, a prophet of God. While they're all standing there in his presence, they're all attuned to heaven. They're all looking in faith by their eyes, looking unto Jesus and the Holy Ghost. I said the Holy Ghost came upon them. The Holy Spirit came upon them. And when the Holy Spirit came upon them, the Holy Spirit gave out a message. Through Jehaziel. Look at that. Then saith the Lord unto the people, Be not afraid. Don't be dismayed by reason of this great multitude in this army. For the battle is not yours. Touch your neighbor and say, the battle is not yours. Why are you poking your nose into something that's not even yours? Why are you spending so many sleepless nights about a battle that don't even pertain to you? Why are you worrying everybody else about the battle you're fighting? It ain't yours. You're not fighting it. God's fighting it. God's fighting the battle. The battle is not yours, but the battle is the Lord. And he said, listen to what this prophet said, listen, all of Judah, inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord. I love it. Do not be afraid and do not be dismayed for this great horde. For the battle is not yours, it's God. Tomorrow, go down against them. Behold, they will come up by the ascent of seas. And you will find them at the end of the valley, east of the wilderness of Jeruel. You will not need to fight this battle. Stand firm. 
hold your position and see the salvation of the Lord. What's he saying? Don't fight, take a stand. You don't have to fight, but you do have to take a stand. You don't have to swing and spear and throw and kick. He said you don't have to do that because it's not yours. But one thing you need to do is take a stand. Position yourself. Is there anybody in this house that's not afraid to take a stand? Is there anybody in this house that's willing to say, I'm on the Lord's side? Is there anybody in this house that's willing to say, I believe the Bible? I believe it's God's Word. I believe it's absolutely true. I believe it is the rightful, eternal, infallible Word of the living God. I believe in its promises. I believe in those that wrote it were holy men of God who spake as they were moved upon by the Holy Ghost. I believe that blood atonement is real. I believe that by Jesus' stripes we're healed. I believe that confession made to God will erase the sins in a man's life and he can become a new creature through Christ Jesus who loved us and gave himself for us. I believe the Bible, the Word of God, the Holy Spirit. I believe all of those things, and I am on the Lord's side. Stand firm. Hold your position. And see the salvation of the Lord. Oh, Judah and Jerusalem. Don't be afraid and don't be dismayed tomorrow. And listen to that last clause there of that sentence. And the Lord will be with you. And the Lord will be with you. Brother, I want to tell you, the Lord goes with people who are not afraid to say, I'm on the Lord's side. You mean you believe all that stuff in the Bible? Yes, I do. I believe the Bible. You really believe a, that an ark could be made and that a man made an ark and put animals on that ark and they survived and eight human beings was on that ark and all of us are descendants of those eight people that were on that ark. Yes, I believe that. You believe that the waters of the Red Sea rolled back and the people of God crossed on dry ground. Do you believe that? Yes, I believe that. Do you believe Jonah got swallowed by a whale? Yes, I believe that. Do you believe he got puked up on a beach somewhere? Yes, I believe that. Why do you believe that? Because that's what God's Word says. And I believe it. I accept it. And that's part of my faith. Come on. Olivia, let's try to land this plane. Sixth thing, and then we'll be through. Then Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord, worshiping. You mean worship when I'm petrified with fear? You mean worship when I don't see a way out? 
You mean worship when I just received the most alarming news in all of my life? You mean worship when I hadn't got money to pay my bills? You mean worship when I, I don't know what the outcome is going to be of this whole situation and I'm overwhelmed? I'm, I'm in a foxhole holding on for dear life and you're telling me to worship? I call it crazy praising. That's praising God when you really ought not to be praising. But you praise Him anyway. Oh, Pastor, when somebody's told you bad, bad news and, and you start praising God and worship, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Did you know that praise will get you out of a bad fix? Did you know that when Paul and Silas was in jail in Philippi, in the dungeon, in the innermost part of the prison, the Bible said, at midnight, Backs beaten to a bloody pulp. Stripes on their back. Lips bursted. Eyes swollen. And Paul said, Silas, let's sing. Sing. What are you going to sing? Let's sing one of those victory songs. Let's sing one of those songs about God delivering Let's sing one of those songs about God showing up and doing miracles. Let's sing one of those songs that gives God glory and gives God worship and praise for doing great things in the midst of His people. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. Oh, hallelujah. Let's sing. Let's praise God. Let's worship. And the Bible said, and they began worshiping. And they began singing praises unto God at midnight. And the Bible said, and suddenly, brother, when you're crazy praising, God does some suddenlies. He'll show up when you don't think he's anywhere around. He'll take charge when you don't know what in the world you're going to do. He'll bless you and lift you up when you feel so cast down. Hallelujah. And the Bible said, and suddenly there was a great earthquake. And the earth shook and trembled so much that the Bible said their stocks and their bonds fell off. Crazy praising. Crazy praising. Are you sure you understand the, the drastic nature of this situation that we're in? Oh, yeah. I think it's page 92, just a little talk with Jesus. You mean you're interested in singing at a time like this? Don't know a better time. Don't know a better time. Brother Ford, now is a little old boy, we went over to Addison, and they were having funeral service for old Grandma McCoy. They were all gathered up outside the church, and they came into the church, 
singing, I'll meet you in the morning. Glory to God. Meet you in the morning. Brother, if you've got this victory in Jesus, you've got this hope of eternal life, then you can sing whenever every bone in you is grieving over the loss of somebody you love. But praise God, way down in that bottomless resources of your soul, there can erupt a praise unto God. And you can say, oh, as Don says, they're not lost if you know where they are. Praise God where they are. The Bible said there's joy and there's bliss and there's pleasure evermore at His right hand. Oh, blessed God. The Bible said, and they sang. You mean heaven sings? People sing in heaven? The Bible said, and they sang a new song. And they said, Thou art worthy to take the book and to loose the seals thereof. For Thou wast slain and hast redeemed us unto God of every kindred, people, language, tongue, and nation, and hast made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign with Him upon the earth. Yeah, heaven sings. Heaven sings the praises of God. We ought to sing the praises of God here because God is looking for such to worship Him when they begin to sing and praise. 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 20 through 22. Put it up there. I want them to shout a little bit before they go home. And when they began to sing and praise, the Lord set an ambush against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who had come against Judah so that they were routed. That means they were defeated and ran off. You mean God makes our enemies to turn tail and run? You mean that I, I worship and I praise and I sing in the midst of trouble that God will deliver me and the enemies that thought they had me caught in a net? They'll jump and run and, and, and scatter? Who is it that does that? The God that we serve delivers us from all of our trouble. Then Jehoshaphat bowed his, bowed his head and he worshiped the Lord. And when he had taken counsel with the people, he appointed those who were to sing to the Lord and praise him in holy attire as they went before the army and say, Give thanks unto the Lord, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks unto the Lord, for his steadfast love endures forever. Well, I'll tell you one thing. Jehoshaphat could pray quite a prayer, couldn't he? Pray quite a prayer. That happens when people really need to get a hold of God. Have you ever been in a situation when you really needed to get a hold of God? Has there ever been a time in your life when you really needed to get a hold of God? Really needed? Stand with me all over this place. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Bless your heart, sir. God bless you. Thank you for coming forward this morning. Anyone else here this morning? Anyone here in this house that would like to say, it's time for me to turn my face toward God and seek God. It's time for me to make a change in my life. It's time for me to let the Lord Jesus come into my life and touch me and touch me. Anyone else? Anyone else? Anyone else? 
Anyone else? Anyone else? Praise his name. Would anybody like to pray a prayer like Jehoshaphat before you leave this morning? Anyone like to pray a prayer like Jehoshaphat before you leave? Lord, I know you're powerful. I know that there's none beside you. I know that I'm weak and I'm undone without you. I need your help. need your blessing in my life. I worship you. I sing to you a new song. Praise the Lord. Anyone? Well, then I need some people to come and help me pray this morning. Would you come quickly? If you, if you can't, just wait just a minute. We'll do communion as soon as we get through with this. But this is very important. They're very important. Come on, let's go. Come on and pray with me just before we leave this morning. God bless you. Come right on. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, God. We worship you today. We worship you today. We worship you today, God. We worship you today, God. We praise you today, God. I surrender all. Sing it with me. I surrender all. All to Thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. Sing it with me. I surrender all. I surrender all. All to Thee, my Blessed Savior, I surrender all. Jesus, 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 sweetest name I know, fills my every longing, keeps me singing as I go. There's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. No, not one. No, not one. Jesus knows all about our troubles. He will guide till the day is done. There's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. No, not one. No, not one. I want you to take the hand of that person beside you. I don't know this morning what you left at home when you came. Some of you may have come this morning and things were not all that great maybe this week doesn't hold a lot of promise maybe you're going to need God to help you do some things this week but that strong scripture that I quoted there God went with them God was with them God took every step with them I want you to ask God to touch that person whose hand you're holding right now and to give them his presence, but also give them his, his grace and his mercy and his strength.
Would you pray that right now with me? God, in Jesus' name, I pray for all of these people that are gathered in this altar area this morning. Oh, Lord, so many of them, you've done great things for them. You've, you've healed their diseases. Many of them, oh, Lord, have had sickness and struggles, but you've, you've healed them and brought them through. Some of them, oh, Lord, have had difficulties and hardships, but you've been with them every step of the way, and you've been God in their life and their heart. I ask you to move upon them today and this altar right here, God, and to supply their need, to touch their heart, and help them to turn their face toward God and begin to seek after God. Lord, let revival start this morning at harvest. Let right here in this altar be a place where people decide to turn their face toward God and to seek Him. God, you said if we would seek you, we would find you. You said if we would ask, we would receive. You said if we would knock, it would be opened unto us. You said if your people would pray and humble themselves, that you would forgive our sins, that you would heal our land. Oh, God, America needs a revival today as we stand in this place. There's so much wickedness and so much wrong that's going on in our world. There's such a divisiveness, oh, Lord, and such a murderous intent. Oh, God, in Jesus' name, I pray that you would touch people with revival. Touch this church with revival. God, would you stir us and move us and burn a, a, a fire in our hearts and lives, God. Oh, Lord Jesus, let revival begin with me today. Oh, Jesus, touch us and stir us and shake us and move us, God, by your power and by your might. You're a great God, and we worship and praise you today. Blessed be your name, Lord Jesus. Blessed be your name, Lord Jesus. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. Now sing it with me. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and he bought me. With his redeeming blood. Oh, he loved me ere I knew him. And all my love is due him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever he sought me and he bought me with his redeeming blood oh he loved me ere i knew him and all my love is due him he plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood I heard about his healing of his precious blood revealing how he made the lame to walk again and he caused the blind to see. Then I heard about a mansion he has built for me in glory and some sweet day I'll sing up there the songs of victory sing it with me now oh victory in jesus 
my Savior forever. He sought me and he bought me with his redeeming blood. Oh, he loved me ere I knew him and all my love is due him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, God. Blessed be your name. Hallelujah. You can return to your seats. Let's do communion this morning before you go. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for coming up. Thank you for the blessing of God. Amen. Praise God. It, it's a wonderful feeling. Amen. Knowing that everything's all right between us and God. Wonderful feeling. Wonderful feeling. The Bible says that in the night that Jesus was betrayed, He told them about going to the cross and about shedding his blood. And the Bible said that he took the bread and he broke the bread and he blessed it. And then he said, take and eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Hallelujah. In like manner also he took the cup. And he said, this is the blood of the New Testament which is shed for you. Drink ye all of it. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. As oft as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, ye show forth the Lord's death until he comes. This do in remembrance of me. Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for the shed blood. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Could we give Jesus a real good worship, a hand clap of praise? About 30 seconds worth. Could you give me your best praise? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We bless your name, God. We praise you, Lord. We give you all the glory and we give you all the praise. Give you all the glory and all the praise. Amen. God gives to me, I like to give to him, don't you? Amen. If you got a blessing this morning and God touched you, would you just, in leaving today and in departing, just come forward and just leave God an offering. Just say, God, this is what I feel like you did for me today. You blessed my heart and I want to leave an offering. Can you do that? Just going to say amen. Amen. Boy, I praise the Lord. I feel like giving a good offering for God. Let's give this morning. Thank you, Father, for letting us be in your house. We know, Lord, that there is many needs for this great old church. 
Lord, this church for well over a hundred years now has been proclaiming your word, bragging on Jesus, telling people that Jesus is right for whatever's wrong. Lord, would you now just bless this church as we worship you together in giving. And every need will be met, God, when we do just obey you. And we obey you in Jesus' name today.